This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we just keep it shallow. I'm your host, Megan. I'm Kate. Get ready for all the spoilers. good that there's part of me that's like is this gonna be a super short episode because it's just like it's actually a pretty good movie yeah yeah (laughs) I I like this movie um I mean it had its problems like every horror movie has but overall I liked it I did too I think that um I'm just gonna go right out the gate and say it's my favorite of the four mine too yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we align on that already. There's no <laughs> point in arguing it later. Yeah, well, it's helpful that there are only four movies in the series, so there's not too much wiggle room <laughs> yeah. with, with the rankings. Um, but yeah, it's just super solid. It's super short, which is appreciated as well. It is short. It's nice. It's what, like an hour 30 something? Yeah. 39 maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So we are here talking, of course, the first purge, which is actually the fourth purge it's in the very series. <laughs> Adding and to it, my confusion and of watching them out of order. <laughs> yeah, if you're Megan, you've probably watched this one first, and you've watched Election Year seven times. I'm very confused. <laughs> There's a lot going on, um, but yeah, this one was great. It was released. Um, it was released pretty recently. This one came out in 2018 on July 4th, actually. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I do remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So dark. I know. They love that, though. It's so good for marketing. Um, and what was going on this year? It was a pretty dark year in America, too. Um, so that kind of aligned with this movie. We had a bunch of student walkouts um, because of the gun violence uh, happening in, in a lot of in schools that year. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of angry kids about being shot at. Yep. This is also the year that Kavanaugh got confirmed. Oh, man. Remember that? that <laughs> Remember that only two years ago? That feels like that happened this year, but also like a million years ago. It doesn't yeah. feel like it was this year is bizarre. It doesn't feel like it was two years ago that that happened. No, no. And everybody was very upset about that. And it was very controversial. I shouldn't say everybody, but you know, a lot of people were upset about that. Um, and the border wall had started to be built. So really, really tense year, I think for America. Yeah. Isn't it wild how our years just keep getting tenser and it, and more difficult in increasingly bizarre ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First, yeah, now we got COVID. Now we're now there's a major heat wave. We're all dying. Yeah. And turns God. out we all needed to be worried about the USPS this whole time. Like who knew that was coming? <laughs> oh my goodness. Don't get me started. <sighs> and then Black Lives Matter was also taking off um, a resurging during this time. Yeah. And I think that as well, I think that that's a really good, um, launch point for this movie. Um, 
I think everything, um, you know, Trump has been president for two years at this point. Um, election year did come out in 2016. Um, and a lot of the marketing around purge election year was really based around, I think, kind of this turmoil in our real life election. And I think that James DeMonico, who wrote this one but did not direct it, um, really picked up on a lot of the same themes um, from um, the Trump presidency and just the um, racial discontent that was really resurging in 2018. Um, a lot of that white supremacy motifs that we see in the previous movies are back in this one again in like a really major way. Really amplified. Yeah. yeah. It's just like they really took the dial and turned everything up to 11. It's everything mm-hmm. in this movie is just more. This one was directed by Gerald McMurray. And, um, Oh, who's that? He hasn't directed a whole lot. You know, he did three kind of under the radar movies, um, before the first purge, the first purge was really his big kind of breakout directing, um, gig. Um, Mm. and then he is directed in 2019, an episode of the reboot of the twilight zone with Jordan Peele. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So it seems like he's this really kind of like up and coming director in Hollywood, which is pretty cool. Um, I think it was, I think it was great. I think that bringing in a new director for these movies, um, especially for this last one where it's going a lot harder on the messaging um, was just a really solid choice all around. Yeah. You can really tell the difference between this episode and the previous three. Um, It seems like it's a lot more focused on, like you said, the messaging Mm -hmm. as opposed to the action. Yeah, um, definitely. This one um, had a little bit, bit of a bigger budget it was 13 million so bumped up a couple um a couple mil for this one um but again grossed about 10x um 137 mil oh my goodness yeah these movies are great people love these movies they go out to see them um and this one i don't know if this one was the highest grossing but it's it's up there i think it grossed more than the last two maybe not as much as the first one though and because it is kind of towing that line of horror action movie, it did, of course, only get 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, but that's not bad for this kind of movie. We're, we're kind of used to that. It's the fourth movie in a horror action thriller series, and it got over 50%, which is pretty great. Yeah, I think all of these movies did. That this really isn't a bad series. This is a pretty good horror thriller series. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, and and the, I agree with you again. To reiterate, I think this one is definitely the best one. So it's I I'm excited to talk about it because there's a lot of interesting things to talk about with this guy. Oh, for sure. Um, so this movie, to give a little little plot summary, um, is set in 2017. And the new founding fathers of America are the current political party in power. And they are working with a sociologist um, to propose this concept of a purge. And they're... The sociologist's name is Marissa Tomei, by the way. She is... Oscar nominee. Marissa Tomei (laughs) playing herself. (laughs) 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 And some kind of bland chief of staff guy 
doesn't even matter who he is. I call him chief of staff this whole, this whole time. So, um, they, um, are collaborating on the social experiment, um, on Staten Island and whether the social experiment of the purge, um, is successful or not will determine whether or not the government establishes it as an annual tradition for Americans moving forward. So I guess we all know how this movie ends. Yeah, I it's a little sad. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean there's a lot of um a lot of juicy kind of dramatic irony being wrung out of that and that we we know that this is a prequel. So we've got you know basically a trilogy that's set in sequence um in 2021, 22 and 23. Um, and then this is a movie that takes place in 2017. So we, we as an audience, were like, we know where this is going. But the people on the movie don't. They're bl- blind no. optimists. <laughs> They're doomed. They have no idea. All right. Where, where are we? Where are we just, where are we well, located? We, uh, we are on Staten Island, which, you know, of course, of course. you got to work with, with a, with an island to do um to do the first purge can't use Catalina Island mm-hmm. that's that's too golf coursey too uh too basic so we got to go to Staten Island um and it is basically you know in a sense has a virtual mode around it for the evening mm-hmm. um, and and people are being recruited in to to assess their mental state and to see if they would like to participate in the purge and they're being offered monetary compensation for this they are and it's so creepy it's this totally sanitized room with these little faux white flowers and all of the people who are nffa i don't know campaign members or just you know government staff they're all wearing these like matchy matchy outfits as they're interviewing these people it feels immediately very culty um and then these people that they're interviewing are just the people who are interested in purging (laughs) yeah so we we get a a little ragtag group of characters they're all very different um we start off with and and at this point nobody is really named yet but later on we come to learn that this guy's name is skeletor skeletor (laughs) Is his name. That's not something we made up. <laughs> That's actually his name. Um, and he's covered with these really interesting tribal looking scars on his face. Um, and he is just down to purge. He is like, I'm angry. I need to purge. I need to kill people. He is totally ready for this. You can tell that this guy is mentally not in a good place. He, and- no. Especially with a name like Skeletor. I know. And the NFFA is just like, yeah, load him in. Give him a gun. Buy him a gun. <laughs> like, this guy is perfect. <laughs> we also meet a girl who just needs the money. And she's willing to stick around. Um, you get $5,000 for staying on the island. And on top of that, if you take anybody out, it's another grand. Her, her body. Yeah. And they are really, really leaning into this whole participation thing by also giving these participants these super spooky contact lenses that, um, that light up and that actually records and broadcasts the activities that they're doing on purge night. And that's how they prove 
that they were active on purge night. It proves that they're murdering people. And this is how the NFFA <laughs> is telling them that they'll get money. They're straight up bribing them to murder other people on Staten Island just to get a couple grand here and there. Yeah. I have a question about that. Did we did we get clarity in this movie about whether it's specifically murdering that gets them paid? Because I thought I remember them saying participation in the purge, not necessarily the words murder. Did I am I remembering that you right? You know, I think you're right. I think that they use the term participate so broadly because yeah. really, I mean, they interview Dr. Tomei and she says that this is a night for violence and aggression and they want to make those things legal. And so it's really hard to imagine that participating, even if they're doing it in kind of air quotes, means anything besides murdering or causing really grievous harm to their their fellow Staten Islanders. Yeah. So that part's not made explicit in the beginning, but we come to see that that is truly what they mean. They just want people to murder. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, it's really easy um, to promise people like many thousands of dollars to murder each other, because if they die, do you actually have to give that money to anyone? Exactly. <laughs> I was actually wondering that, Kate, you know, is there a clause in their contract that um, designates somebody to get it in in their place? What what are those? What are that? What does that contract look like? I really want to see oh, can it. Can you imagine being a lawyer for the NFFA? Oh, my God. <laughs> Goodness, you'd have to be paid so much. You'd be dealing with so much litigation, it feels like, with this kind of thing. I know. Um, uh, yeah. But we do have a third set of characters that we meet. And and these two crack me up. Um, it's these two, what, what seem to be like cleaning ladies, maybe, um, who are just mad that they get made fun of. <laughs> and, and that's why they want to participate in the purge. And I just thought uh, you know, they come up again later and, and they just crack me up because there's these, these two older ladies who kind of have a ball on a purge night in a very innocent way. But um, they're, they're tired of getting made fun of. It's a very like friendship goals kind of like relationship these two have. This is like you and me if we were going to be in the purge. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, we, don't, <laughs> we don't like it when we get made fun of. <laughs> By our husbands. Especially not. We're spending too much time together. <laughs> Especially not our husbands. <laughs> uh, so I really, really love that they set this on Staten Island. I think it's so funny. Like everyone shits on Staten Island. And so I love that the government is just like, yeah, we can expend some people on this island. Um, it just feels so like, it's not even ironic. It's just so satir like satirical that I think it's hilarious. Um, but question, if you were in charge of picking the location, if you were the location scout for the first purge, where would you do it? Um, I think I'd pick Manhattan. Isn't it bigger? Yeah. There's more money. Uh -huh. Like go balls to the walls, do Manhattan. Take it all I out. I was thinking Manhattan too, because I was like, man, Were you really? there's a lot of people there. My my runner up or like very close to first was Philly, just because I think that it would get <laughs> wild. I think it'd be wild. In oh, that would be awful. <laughs> yeah. You'd have, well, how would you keep them in? I don't know. They're wild animals. <laughs> a, a big, a big wall. We, we're learning that that, you know, doesn't really work. <laughs> Walls don't really work. 
but uh, that would be amazing, Philly. That yeah, that that gets pretty uh, pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, if you went like Burning Man style and picked somewhere in like the middle of Nebraska, where you know there's they're 50 miles away from everyone, that could be very interesting. Um, but yeah, I think the island concept is a must, and you're just not gonna get the same mileage out of a purge on Hawaii. Oh my goodness. No, everyone would be like, mahalo, it's all good. Yeah, island time. <laughs> yeah, we'll purge tomorrow maybe if we think about it. All right, now that we're done broadly generalizing the U.S. <laughs> we, we, do meet, oh, we're terrible. we do meet a couple of um, other main characters. So this is kind of very similar to the other purge movies. Um, there's a rotating cast of characters um, who come together and fall apart in various ways throughout the movie. Um, We're introduced to Nia um, and Nia is an active purge protester. She is not for it. Um, She is out there waving signs, um, protesting near where Dr. Tomei and the NFFA chief of staff are being interviewed right before the purge starts. Um, they have these great protest signs. One of them says, not my purge. Um, <laughs> yes. I was like, well, whose purge is it? It's, yeah. It's nobody's well, really. I love it because, um, whenever people are protesting, protesting Trump, yeah, not my president. And I was like, oh yeah, they're just kind of borrowing those slogans, um, from Trump protest, um, to put into the purge protest, which really yeah. feels on brand. Um, And Nia is kind of our hub here because the other kind of heroes that we've got are related to her in some way. So we've also got um, her ex-boyfriend, Dimitri. The dude from Insecure. Yep. He's an Insecure. He's super hot. (laughs) He's very muscular (laughs) and they do not shy away from showing him off. (laughs) No, they don't. I'm glad that I got to see him in this because um, I really don't like him in Insecure. I don't like his character, but um, I do like his character in this. So this was cool. Um, yeah, he's really good. And this character is good. He plays a like drug kingpin. So, he... <laughs> And he's this is the character I like. <laughs> so he's a drug kingpin and he wants to stay. He wants to stay on the island with his crew and... Um, his whole goal is like, we're not going to go out. We're not going to purge. We're going to defend the goods. We're going to defend our money. And, and we're going to get money for staying. Yeah. He's like, why would we leave? Like, it just seems like win, win, win. If we stay here, protect our stuff, get paid. Nice office reference right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then there are um, a couple characters who are kind of in Dimitri's gang they're these kind of like young drug lackey type guys um and one of them is isaiah and isaiah is little brother to nia and isaiah poor sweet stupid isaiah he so he tells his sister don't worry big sis i know you hate the purge and i know you know it's unsafe so i will leave this island for you and what does he do He's, he, he stays. stays, he stays because he wants to hang with Dimitri. He wants to hang out with these cool drug guys. 
And he wants to take out Skeletor because Skeletor picks on him. Yeah. I think he stabs him too in the beginning. He does. <laughs> He's kind of a jerk. Yeah. So we get this, um, we get this scene of. Cuts him, not stabs him. But yeah. yeah, he does draw blood. Isaiah and his friend are, they're kind of walking around their neighborhood. They're talking about the purge and um, he gets um, attacked. And this is hours before the purge has even started. And Skeletor <laughs> is just so hyped that he um, he attacks him. I think he cuts like his neck. Um, Something like yeah, that. Yeah, and then just runs off. And this totally turns Isaiah, where Isaiah's like, I'm going to use the purge to get back at this guy. Dee's other sidekick is this chick who, um, she looks very hard. And she doesn't say a word this whole movie. It's really funny. I actually really like this character. Um and Dimitri is sort of facing off with uh, somebody in his ranks who wants to purge. He wants to go out and enjoy himself. And um, so this silent sidekick kind of takes him out, right? Like not takes him out. He's not dead, but he, she puts him to the ground, mm. puts him in his place. And Dimitri has this great line. She does exactly what I say because we are family. <laughs> that is a terrible family. Yeah, is that um, is that how families work? It's not not how my family works. <laughs> I mean, maybe people in my family wanted to work that way, but that's definitely not how it works. <laughs> I just thought that was a really funny line. Like it, family. The idea of family in a gang is is very funny to me. It is. It's very like, yeah. They they really set us up here to think like, oh yeah, Dimitri cares about his crew like their family he wants to protect his crew he wants his crew to protect each other and hold each other to high standards and it's just kind of an interesting like take that they give this character yeah yeah so we've learned that people are willing to stay on the island for five grand and to participate for extra money mm-hmm. i want to know Kate, how much it would take for you to stay? And would you participate? I wouldn't participate. I think we've established that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I feel like to stay is to say that you are willing to accept death. Um, Because Mm -hmm. you cannot... You cannot guarantee that you would not die. And I mean, you can't guarantee that you're not going to die at any given moment. Um, But I would say that your odds are probably a little bit higher here. Um, I would say definitely more than 5,000. I want to say something like it'd have to be like 200 grand, 250 grand at least. I would want a lot of it. Yeah, it would have to be life-changing. Yeah, so I guess like life-changing – like a million I don't know it'd have to be a significant amount of money yeah I I've been wrestling with this question since I first thought of it and I I'm not sure yeah I mean what good is 200,000 or a million if you're dead right so it's sort of like what what value do you place on your life and then again I want to look at this damn contract right (laughs) like if I die if I die, does da- does Zach get my money? Because okay, maybe I could, maybe I could be okay with that. 
Um, but, um, yeah, it would have to be really high, at least, at least in the six figs, upper six figs for me as well. Yeah. It's Um, just so risky. Yeah. So, and I would hunker down as best as possible. I, the only way I, I probably wouldn't participate like on purpose, but I would want the contacts just in case I had to kill somebody out of Mm self-defense so that I could get the credit. (laughs) Oh yeah. If I was going to stay, I would definitely keep the contacts in. Yeah. Let's talk about these contacts. So I think that all of the extra $2 million that went into this movie went into these contacts and this (laughs) contact design, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So these contacts, um, they have around the iris they have this this ring that lights up when you are actively recording and for um amazing costume design reasons um and not for any practical reason whatsoever um each person's contact lenses are like a different color (laughs) yeah and and there's no reason given at all we have no uh there's no reason why this that is the way it is but Okay. Yeah, what did you think of the special effect of the lenses? Oh, I thought the lenses were super cool. I I they were so creepy looking. Um you look very ominous in the dark and nobody has brown contacts in this movie. Nobody has like a dark glow going on. Everyone's very bright like a like a cat at night almost. It's um, so I thought it was a cool effect. The effect that I thought was pretty bad was that green screen earlier with Marissa Tomei talking to the reporters. It Ooh, is that looked terrible. Not good. They really phoned in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one was not my favorite. Um, I love the contact lenses too. Um, it makes it really eerie, like especially when the purge starts and they're they're kind of walking through their neighborhood and people are looking at them through windows and all you see are these kind of like red glowing eyes. It's really, it's really effective. And I almost wish that they had kept it as an effect in future movies, like not future movies, but, you know, kind of in the timeline of the other Purge movies. Um, yeah. Except the offer goes away once they, you know, instate it across the entire U.S. They don't need to pay us anymore. Yeah, there's really no reason to have it unless it's like a big brother type thing. Um, I just think like as a costume design and as like how creepy it kind of was in this movie, because it makes it feel, and I think you even mentioned this, like it makes it really feel like more of that zombie movie type Mm -hmm. when you see it. It's really, really cool. Yeah. My only thing with the contacts is if you are participating in Purge, they do sort of give you away because you can see them from you know, farther away than you could see the whites of somebody's eyes, obviously. I mean, it's... Um, so that would be my only concern wearing mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really the antithesis of the masks, right? Like the masks that we see in all of the movies are designed to conceal people's identity and um, make it hard to tell um, who they are, how they're feeling. Um, if there is like any kind of big brother tech happening, um they can't necessarily be traced back because they've all got these masks on. And even in the first purge, there are some people wearing masks. Um, And we'll see later that they're wearing masks for very different reasons um, or for different motives, I guess. Um, And then you've got these contacts where it's like, look at me, like 
you can identify mm-hmm. who I am. You can locate me. You know exactly who I am. So it's right. this very like which is the point yeah. in this movie. Yeah, in yeah. this movie it's very much like look at us purge, not them hiding from purging. Yeah. So now we start getting into some purge prep. We do. So Nia, um, she has spent her her days leading up to the purge protesting. And there is now nothing more that they can do. And so she and her friends in her community, um, they have decided to wait out the purge um, in a local church. Yeah, because no one's going to attack a church. That never happens. I get it. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) But they're praying um, her, you know, she's got her close friends there. And, um, there's some, you know, it's people kind of of all ages, all walks are, are in this church. So we've got, we've got them, um, hanging out there. We see, um, Dr. Marissa Tomei and the NFFA chief of staff. Um, they're kind of back at headquarters, which is away from Staten Island. Um, and they have a very intense kind of situation room where they've got, tons of just screens broadcasting um people's purge cameras they've got um overhead helicopters kind of monitoring what the island is looking like they've identified even like hot spots on the island where they go oh if there's gonna be some purging it's definitely gonna happen in this neighborhood it is like some (laughs) severe profiling is happening by the nffa yeah yeah it's really bad yeah. And we do find out later. Sorry. Just the stupid car outside. We do find out later why they kind of stick around. Um, but we'll we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah. But Purge is about to start. Yeah. Purge is starting. Yeah, yeah. So we are we are picking it up. We are in act two, which we I always kind of catalog it as this is where the purge has begun. So the movies always mm-hmm. kind of have this like driving action to get us right up to the purge. And then when it starts, um, we just see a lot of things kind of go into motion. I think that um, the way the purge kicks off with Dimitri is very interesting. Um, so, D- yes. yeah. So Dimitri had this plan to lay low with his crew, and his, um, you know, one of his lackeys, his kind of like right hand man, um, who goes by the name Capital A, um, he. Um, says like, Hey man, I've got you a hotel room and I got these prostitutes for you. Wahoo. Yeah. He's like, it's purge night, baby. Like everything is legal, which is like, he's not wrong. Everything is legal. (laughs) Yeah. That's the direction I would take this. (laughs) I would want to party. Yeah. And I, and that's the attitude of like everyone on Staten Island here. Like they just want to party. I would want to party. Yeah. Why not? 
5,000 bucks to stick around and stay up all night making noise and doing drugs in the streets. Like, cool. I know. Hiring prostitutes. No, no biggie. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine working as a prostitute on purge night though? You would hmm. be like, I'm definitely getting- terrifying. Like, definitely getting tortured to death, right? Like there's- I, I, I'm charging overtime for this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ooh. How much would you charge? We can cut this if you want. How much would you charge if you were a prostitute on purge night? Well, what would I have to do? I think it would be for me like, oh, it'd have to be a life-changing amount of money. Wait, I'd be your prostitute? Sorry? Wait, what? <laughs> you said for me. And I was like, wait, what? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it would have to be a lot. I don't know, Kate. I would just assume that if I was prostituting for somebody that they would kill me somehow. Because why not? Might as well. Then they don't have to pay me. Yeah, there's no... I just... I don't I don't think I would do it. There's no safety in Purge Night. None. None. No safe places. And, yeah. uh, and there is no safety with Dimitri and these two prostitutes, but not in the direction that you might expect. Dimitri does not... Nope murder these two, um, sex workers, um, they, um, pretty much immediately attack him and they just, they just try to kill him and girl power. And we, um, we're kind of cutting in between this scene and a couple other scenes, but the main other scene is capital A is now talking to his section of the crew where he has staged this little schism in this, in this drug gang um, to overtake Dimitri. He wants to be the new leader. He wants to run the crew. And so he hired these girls um, to take him out. What a bozo. Yeah, he sucks. Like, they were supposed to be friends. Like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how you treat your friends. No, especially not on on purge night. Not on purge night. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... The prostitutes go for him. And we kind of missed this other thing that's happening on Purge Night. Um, yeah, so Dimitri wants to just mess around with some prostitutes. I mean, it's fairly innocent when you're comparing it to the rest of Purge. <laughs> and what's going on in a in a nearby neighborhood is a giant Purge party. Like the kind that we talked about wanting to go to. It is so sick. It looks so good. And I... It looks so and fun. And I like made it a special note to say that the music in this movie is so much better than the <gasps> other movies. I'm so glad you called that out. I love this soundtrack. It's so good. The soundtrack is really good. So I think that the soundtrack in the other movies are just kind of forgettable. And this one has mm-hmm. a lot of like, um, so the score is really good, but then also the soundtrack, um, it's all like rap and hip hop and it's great it's like really good for setting the mood especially in this party scene because it is exactly what you would expect of just like a block party rager full of designer drugs and like half naked girls yeah because nobody really wants to purge i think that that's a not really like if everything were legal like yeah i think that the people of boulder would be out like like (laughs) doing acid and eating mushrooms like in the middle of the street. I don't think that they would be murdering each other. I just don't either. I, I, I love how this movie finally... It, it's it's nice because it, it has worked backwards, right? We've seen 
so far, what we've seen is the result of what happens after the government proposes this idea and does things to instigate violence. Mm -hmm. But what people really wanted to do in the beginning, aside from Skeletor, because he's nuts, I mean, people really just wanted to party. And I think that I, I wouldn't be surprised if the guys making this movie went around and asked people, what would you want to do on Purge Night? I bet a lot of people said party. I bet a lot of people said pretty innocent things. Um, but but when when I when we first started watching The Purge, the first three, you think, wow, this this story really has a dark view on America, like a very dark view. And now you kind of see why with this movie. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll get through that. Um, but I really appreciate that about this movie. I think it really shows a, a very realistic take on what people actually want to do on Purge Night. Yeah, it's 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 a very cynical movie series. Like it just assumes the worst of the American people. It assumes the worst of our government, but in this movie and it's, it's directed by a different director. And I think that he had a really heavy hand in guiding the direction of this movie to show that people aren't, um, they're not murder machines. They're not interested in that. And I would love to know Megan what illegal activity would you do during the first purge including murder including murder oh so i can also murder you can also murder (laughs) on the table well zach and i do like to joke about throwing bell in a cat box in the pool (laughs) but i don't think i would actually do that (laughs) um honestly kate my bedtime is typically around nine Mm -hmm. so Maybe I would make it till like two in the morning and party like these dudes. Um, it'd be the first purge. So I wouldn't know what to expect. I I may not necessarily distrust the government to do the things that they end up doing in this movie. So I don't know. Maybe I would maybe I'd go out into the like a part of the woods you're not supposed to be in camp or something like I really have some very basic basic laws that I guess I would consider breaking um I don't know maybe key the cars of of some enemies of mine okay maybe okay. stuff like that yeah. I, I mean really basic like but it's all still, it's all still illegal though it's still illegal yeah. that that might be as far as I take it I think but I probably would be asleep by like one in the morning I wonder how many Latest. I wonder how many people like do things that they think are illegal but are not actually illegal. Like <laughs> like messaging the CEO of their company and being like, Hey, fuck you, man. <laughs> oh man, I didn't even think of that. Can you but imagine? It's like, that's not actually illegal. Like <laughs> that's not really the point of the purge. <laughs> you could still get fired for that. It's not covered. Right. Like yeah, like the purge doesn't protect you from being an asshole. It just protects you from you know, going, going to, jail. to jail. Yeah. Or paying a fine or something like you could probably still get fired. You, your girlfriend might still break up with you. You know, that's, that's life, baby. <laughs> anyway. What about you? Um. Okay. So the most ridiculous thing, I don't know where this came from deep, deep in my subconscious. This like, just like burst through me was I would like to try street racing. 
Oh, really? I don't know if I actually would, (laughs) but I think that that's, like, the kind of illegal thing that I would want to do is, like, find an empty stretch of highway and, like, race someone. (laughs) It would still have to be empty. Like, I love that we still, like, we're, like, we have all these parameters. We want to be safe. I don't want to die. It's tonight. I don't want to (laughs) die. But we want a street race. But, yeah. I know. And I was thinking, well, I'd have to find a spot in the woods where there's no hornets because I hate hornets. yeah. Yeah, like I'm not like, oh, I want to like get drunk and then go street race. Like, no, it sounds like I would die. I just want to like empty highway and see. I'm like, ooh, I want to see if I can like push 100 in in, like quick street race. Like I'm so much a grandma about this whole thing. Yeah. Or maybe I would do some mushrooms at home or something like that. I don't know. Uh, Something pretty, pretty, pretty tame. I'm pretty tame and boring. Just go somewhere where they're decriminalized. You'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah, I can do that now. Yeah. <laughs> so I know. And even with this cigarettes thing, it's like I could just find a track and like drive yeah. somewhere. I don't need to wait for purge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> purge is wasted on us. I know. It's not for us. No. Ugh. But anyway, so so this so we've seen this party now and everything's going smoothly. And Dimitri, you know, was hanging out with his prostitutes. So as his prostitutes attack him, we also see the purge explode at the party. And this is when we get to see Skeletor ruin this party. Yeah. Which must be why he's not invited to anything. He's like slinking through the crowds. He's got a knife. And um, he aggressively, aggressively stabs someone. And it's not just like a single stab. It's like stab, 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 stab. It's a lot. It does not stop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, the party immediately, like, the people there are horrified because they are not actually expecting to see any violence, which just goes to show that's how people are. Like, they didn't think that anyone would actually hurt someone at this party. Yeah. And you know what frustrates me about this scene so much? Hmm. There's only four hours left in the purge. They're like almost home free. (laughs) Yeah. And this is something that they bounce back. We're really kind of glossing over the Marissa Tomei and and the chief of staff storyline. But it's really because there's not a lot of development. They're really just monitoring the situation and making comments about how nothing is happening. And at this point, yeah, you're right. It's three in the morning. They only have to wait it out until seven in the morning before the purge is over. And we had seen Skeletor um, prior to the party um, murder someone. So he does stab someone just totally randomly at an ATM. And oh, and right. Marissa Tomei and the, and the chief of staff, they're like, oh, it's working. And this whole time, <laughs> like, I remember watching this and thinking, oh, Marissa Tomei is definitely a bad guy who's just like a yeah. like a mole for the NFFA who's just trying to lend some credence to this idea um, because she seems pretty th- thrilled that someone got murdered. Yeah. It's a very weird thing for her to be excited about. It seems like the kind of experiment that you wouldn't want to succeed. Right. But she's all for, I guess, because it's her experiment, but... Yeah, I was also confused about her character for a while, um, wondering like, wait, does she, is she really, is she really actually neutral in this? Or it, it felt like she was like a an NFFA 
mold. Yeah. And I mean, um, the chief of staff suggests like, oh, let's take this video of the first murder and broadcast it because, because <laughs> news stations are just laser focused on this night. And um, yeah. the video goes viral immediately. And not only that, but the NFFA actually pushes this video out to every person's phone who's on Staten Island. That's right. Yeah, it's like this creepy, like, look, the purge is actually happening around you. Let's, like, spook you. You know, they're really just trying to spook everyone on this island into hurting each other. Which sucks, because they were just having fun at their party. Yeah, so the party... Ruined the party. The party is just, like, ruined. They all get this push notification that a murder has happened. Then that actual murderer shows up. And at this time, it's only Skeletor. He's the only one. He is their, like... He, he is the Purge. He is their golden ticket to trying to say that the Purge night was a success. Because this guy has got, you know, a... 100% kill rate at this point for the purge. So after the party breaks up, I think Isaiah's at this party, right? And he he kind of runs and, and realizes that he needs help. Or is he separate? No. Let's, we can start this over. No, Sorry. No, he's there. Um, so yeah, at the party, Skeletor is there. He stabs someone. People are breaking up. Isaiah realizes that Skeletor is there and he has a gun. And he had been planning on finding him and killing him. Um, and Which he kind of failed at. He can't do it. Because <laughs> he's a normal person. I mean, if, you, yeah. you know, if you've never killed someone before and you just have to do it, I can't imagine that you can. You know, I feel like it would take yeah. time to mentally come around to that. Yeah, he's no Skeletor. Um, so what does he do instead? He calls Naya to come out and help him. He does. And she's a good sister. <laughs> little little baby bro. Yeah, she comes and helps. Yeah, she does. And the most bizarre, not bizarre, I don't, it's, it was really wild for me to see. Um, I thought uh, she's running through the streets trying to get to her brother. And she hears this baby crying. And she's trying to find the source of the cries and it's coming from a gutter. So she kind of goes near the gutter and she gets grabbed. She gets grabbed by people hanging out in the gutter, waiting, waiting for someone to walk by. And they start to pull her down. It's very Pennywise. And you see them grab at her pussy, like literally grabbing at her pussy. I have never seen that in a, in a movie ever. It was... It was it was awful, but it was great because it felt so authentic. It's a really real skin crawly, creepy moment. Yeah, yeah it's something. And he's he's got that baby face attached to his mouth, and it's it's so gross. Yeah, the whole scene just makes you feel really icky. And I think that, I mean, as women, we know that if someone's going to grab you and try and hurt you they're not gonna wait they're just they're just going to try and grab handfuls of whatever they can they're gonna just they're gonna paw you they're gonna grab you there's not gonna be time at all and they really nailed just how horrifying and fast and like sickening the whole feeling is yeah we you know you're i'm so used to movies showing somebody uh holding a weapon up and like thinking about it and pausing and explaining why they're doing this, 
usually, you know, but they don't do that. And I, I really appreciated that about this movie as horrifying as that scene kind of was for me. I was like, I really appreciate how real that felt. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. And this is the part where Isaiah comes back and, um, saves Nia. He, yeah, he comes back and, um, really, he steps up. He's, he's the brother here. He's responsible and he gets her out of there. And this is where we see with Marissa Tomei and the NFFA that, um, the purge is not happening the way they expect it to. There's, they're so sad. They're just like, they're just like little sad, weepy babies. Our purge dreams are down the toilet. <laughs> and so they, they are just kind of in a state. Marissa Tomei is just like, oh, interesting, interesting. And this is where you kind of start to feel like, oh, maybe she is um, a, an actual doctor. I mean, maybe not a good one, <laughs> but she seems like she's trying to be at least like scientific about this whole thing. Um, whereas the NFFA guy, he's like, we got to throw some gasoline on this fire. We got to put the pedal to the metal here. We only have a yeah, fuck science. Yeah. He is like, sci- our platform was not built on science. Our platform was built on blood. So we got to, <laughs> we got to get this show going. Oh man. So we see, uh, we also cut back to Isaiah and Naya who are running through the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this really bizarre scene where they get accosted by some some dude in what is my favorite mask of the whole series so far, wasted on this guy who ends up squirting them with a squirt gun just to mess with them, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Can you describe the mask a little bit? Yeah, it's like this white, uh, like it covers the head. It's got these like sunken eyes and the mouth is is almost like a grate. It's 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 almost like a grade that's kind of red i think and and looks like there's maybe was some stuff oozing out it at one point mm-hmm. and the mask is just very it looks very homemade but not in a cheap sense it looks like some love was put into this mask and that's what i love about the masks in this movie they look very loved like like care was taken into making them and they also look really grungy um and almost deformed in a way. Mm-hmm. They're very creepy. I do love the masks in this movie a lot. Yeah, this movie is like everything is just so good. The masks are great. The costumes are super good. Um, I've really got to give it up to Gerald McMurray. He just, he really nailed a lot of the effects in this movie. Yeah. Good job, Jerry. <laughs> we like you we like you a lot I mean it's so good I mean one of the things that kind of killed me about the earlier movies was how flat and kind of unrealistic the dialogue was for a lot of the characters Mm -hmm. and for for, uh, Purge Anarchy and Purge Election Year there's a lot more diversity and the people that we follow um, as our main leads are um, generally people of color um, and in the first purge, it's, um, all, all of our heroes are black people. So Nia, Dimitri, Isaiah, um, and their characterization is really good. And I am going to just fully give credit to the director for 
um, giving them just authentic dialogue, um, setting the music well. I think it's a really, really good characterization here. And I think that um, when you have better um, representation and diversity in your movie making process, top to bottom, not just in your cast, but in your director and in your um, production crew, it just makes a better movie. Yeah, I'm giving you some snaps. Yeah, good job. Good job, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I'll get off my soapbox. All I'll right, soapbox. moving on. Um, we we got to get to the KKK now. Yeah, we really do. And <laughs> Show up at the church. That's where the NFFA comes in. And so our little rat chief of staff, he, uh, he calls in some friends and is like, let's, um, let's just start killing people. And we see the effects of this pretty immediately. So Isaiah and Nia are running through their neighborhood and Nia, Nia's refuge, the place she wants to get them to is this church. And, um, as soon as they kind of round the corner, they can just tell, um, that everyone has been murdered. Um, there's just, there's just bodies. Womp. There's just kind of shot after shot of seeing these, um, mercenaries, which the mercenaries come up in the sequels a bunch too. Um, but here it's, it's so blatant. I mean, I feel like, I feel like in the other movies where there are mercenaries, they kind of keep it a, not subtle, but it's not like so overt that they're Nazis and white supremacists. And here it's just like, oh no, we hired a bunch of Nazis. <laughs> they're just Nazis. Yeah. 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 And our and Marissa Tomei realizes this at some point and probably gives the greatest line of her career. Yes, yes, say it for us. What have I done? <laughs> I think that's exactly how she delivers it. It's, it's pretty flat. Uh, oh man. So good. Marissa Tomei. Really real me in there, Tomei. <laughs> she got a paycheck. She showed up. She did she did her job. Yeah. That's probably why they had that green screen. She was probably like, guys, I got a day to do this. Let's get this over with. She's not in a lot of scenes. <laughs> She's really not. Yeah. We then get this montage of, of you know, after Marissa Tomei has really started to realize that she is just a pawn in the government's plotting and machinations. Shocker. Ugh, God, couldn't you read the signs, Marissa Tomei? Um, we see these vans and hordes of people descending and we just get kind of shot after shot of people getting murdered. Yeah. We see the duck dynasty crowd rolling in. We see people coming in, in literal like KKK robes. We see red ones and white ones. Yeah. They're in um, full KKK robes. Yeah. Is, yeah. This is what like, I mean. It's like old timey KKK yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like grand wizard KKK stuff, you know, like, <laughs> like it's wild. Like, these guys are like, yes, our services are for hire and we have the costumes to go with it, you know? Do you think they just put an ad out on Craigslist? I hope so. <laughs> what would Craigslist look like during this time? Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. I, there's got to be people who have like weird illegal fetishes that are just having their own little purge party. I don't want to think about it. I'm going to just, I'm going to say <laughs> that and make everyone uncomfortable and then we're going to move on. Yeah. Yeah. We also see that the government 
the government, NFFA has strewn weapons around the city to just entice violence among people also. I know. I wish that they had also just like left buckets of like ecstasy and (laughs) I mean, I guess that they would have probably preferred to leave like maybe, I don't know, PCP or something or like bath salts. Yeah. Yeah. Ecstasy is probably a little too lovey. A scene I actually really loved in this movie um, happens right around here is that Marissa Tomei is caught kind of spying on the NFFA activities and she's like, you can't get away with this. And they (laughs) kidnap her. They're like, oh, please, it's purge night. They just grab her, throw her into a helicopter, drop her on Staten Island and shoot her in the head. It's like it's yeah. like ten. It's not even ten seconds. It's so it's so quick. They're just like it is. Quick. They're like we have an out. You are not a problem to us anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Marissa. I really liked it. I was like, good. This bitch shouldn't live. Like that's not what would happen in this world. Like she doesn't get to tell her tale. I know. That's why the purge is still happening. I think that's why I liked it too. Is that. This government has already decided that they are going to do the purge. And they're like, we'll use anyone we need to, to legitimize this. But also, fuck you. We don't need to legitimize it. Like, we will just exert power and just say that this is what we're doing now. Yeah. We also get this really, really powerful uh, Rodney King moment on the baseball field. That was probably, I felt along with that pussy grabbing scene, really one of the darkest moments of this movie. It was, it was really hard to watch. Um, Nothing even happened and it was hard to watch. It was just very anticipatory. You knew that this poor man dragging his body across a baseball field to the, to the home plate surrounded by white men was going to get the shit beat out of him until he, you know, died. And, it was so sad to think about. He had no recourse. He was doomed. You could see it. They they didn't have to show it. It's really sad. I think that I think that the best direction in this is to just not shy away from how horrible and devastating it is to be part of the purge. It's it's not all of the lighthearted fun of the previous purge movies the previous purge movies kind of treat it as like super ultra violent rave in a way where you know people decorate their cars and they wear like cute outfits and do their masks and then they go out and like shoot people and they've got their AKs this one it's like really really focused on this is the sheer brutality of who is actually suffering in this when we do something like a purge. Yeah. And they don't have to show anything because we've all yeah. seen it a thousand times. Yeah. We all know what's about to the, happen to that guy. The one thing we have to look forward to in this movie is that the last, I don't know, 10 minutes of this movie is just pure, beautiful revenge porn. Yeah. We do. <laughs> we do have that to it's, look forward to. It gets very dark. It gets very dark. <laughs> it gets very low. And then we turn the plot back to 
Dimitri. So we are back with capital A, our newly crowned drug kingpin of Staten Island, who is, you know, he's kind of gloating with his crew, who he's like, this is my crew now. And the two sex workers who had attacked Dimitri in the hotel room roll up. And A is like, hey, how'd it go? And they're kind of like hemming and hawing a little bit. And then who comes out of nowhere but Dimitri with a gun and just, he just kills him. It's pretty satisfying. It is. It's just, you know, he's got the element of surprise and he's just got style. You know, he does it very fashionably. Yeah. There's some weird mixed messaging around this crew. Wouldn't you say? There is. These guys are kind of positioned as heroes in this story. But that's just on Purge Night, right? Like on Purge Night, they're watching out for each other. They're watching out for Naya and Isaiah. But the rest of the year, they're wreaking havoc on their communities by selling drugs. They're they're, they're gangbangers. How are we supposed to feel about them? It's really uh, complicated. It is complicated. I mean, it's a very like the wire kind of moral dilemma, right? Is that these guys, so Dimitri and his crew, um, they know their neighborhood. They they know their community. They have a vested interest in making sure that their community um, stays functional enough to continue selling drugs in. (laughs) (laughs) And so there is a degree of like care and investment in there. And they treat each other like family. They have actual family and relationships there that they care about and um, they're kind of operating extra legally. Um, You've got these interlopers who are the government where the government has said, your city does not mean anything to us. Your community means nothing to us. And so it matters nothing to us if we completely destroy it. I mean, I of course err on the side of these drug dealers that even though morally they're in a gray area when it comes to selling drugs throughout the year <laughs> that they're still better than the government because they're at least invested in their community in a way. Yeah. It kind of made me hope that hopefully they, not that this is the intention of the purge or like, well, I told you so type of thing because of the purge, but hopefully they would realize, you know, like, this is our community and we need to protect it and uh, not murder each other the rest of the year. I don't know. Like we need to take care of it the rest of the year because um, their actions get interpreted as, you know, we don't care. And, and, and it's easy to see how it comes off that way. I mean, it does come off that way. Um, Infesting your neighborhood with drugs is not a good thing. But these guys know their neighborhood better than the government does. And so it really it, it really kind of goes back to that those boundaries that we that we argue about politically, right? When is it okay for the federal government to step in versus when does the local community need to take care of their own shit? And I think this this inner this conflict with them sort of brings that up yeah I think it takes it to its extremes Mm -hmm. it it says you know is it 
is it still morally gray when your government is killing you? And I think that for a lot of people, they would argue that even not in these movies, but in real life, that their government is killing them. Yeah. They are. And that um, no amount of policing has the benefit worth it to allow the amount of murder that's happening. Yeah, I, I appreciate the complexity that this um, piece of the movie sort of brings up. I don't think they explore it very well, but I, it does sort of surface it, um, which I, I do still appreciate. I do too. I think that this movie um, is a really striking that balancing act of being very vocal about its messaging, very, I mean, we'll see in the end here, very vocal about its messaging, (laughs) while also identifying that these are long-running currents in all of these movies um, that are really nuanced and don't have easy answers. It's a really complex issue that um, the government is just trying to solve here with a blanket purge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got pretty dark and pretty deep. So good thing we are back to Naya's building and we get to interact with Dolores, who is a neighbor of Naya. And she's a little bit of comic relief for us. We can we can take a breath when we see Dolores. <laughs> Dolores is great. And we really feel like at this point, Nia and Isaiah and Dolores, they have their safe place. They're in their apartment. And this really frees up the plot to turn us back to Dimitri and his gang Um, they've just come hot off of killing a, (laughs) and now we're really seeing, um, this roving gang of, um, KKK guys, um, coming in and fighting off a group. And this is just, it's, it's a hectic montage. There's a lot of scenes here because it is just Dimitri and his gang killing group after group of white supremacist mercenaries. And then at some point, the government flies their drones in because they're kind of tired of Dimitri taking out their investment. And they take out Dimitri's gang until all but Dimitri is left. The montage of Dimitri and his gang just systematically killing all of these Nazis is so satisfying. Because, I mean, he they get the KKK guys. They fight the Duck Dynasty guys. There's a moment where Dimitri strangles to death a guy who's wearing the most egregious blackface mask I have ever seen in my entire life. I did not know that they made things that racist. It was gross. Yeah. And uh, we watch for, I don't know, a dozen seconds longer of Dimitri just killing him. It's <laughs> They really take their time. <laughs> Um, and then they kind of bring us back to reality, of course, with those drones killing his gang. But we get that we get that kind of revenge porn satisfaction. So Dimitri's guys are all dead, and it's looking pretty bleak again. <laughs> but he he ventures to Naya's building because um, he finds out that they need his help, and so at least yeah. it can be useful over there. Because. The critical part here, we kind of mentioned it earlier that the NFFA had identified those hotspots where they wanted to um, really track purge activities. It's really just low income 
neighborhoods and they have a vested interest in um, killing as many people in those neighborhoods as possible. And so Dimitri is heading over to her apartment and comes across these mercenaries who are setting up um, ways to bomb the apartment building. And the only one who who they can have help them is Dimitri. Yeah, so Dimitri is there. He fights them. Yeah, this is basically the Michael Bay portion of the movie and the come down. Yeah, and it's kind of quick. We do get Skeletor who shows up. For some reason. And you know what is pretty funny is that he shows up. You, This guy is such a wild card that you don't know what side he's ever going to play. Yeah. But he shows up and kills some of the mercenaries um, before they can actually bomb the apartment building. Like, what? Who knew? <laughs> there, there was no indication in this movie that he was lurking around, that he was in this area, that he was following these mercenaries. Nothing. He just shows up in the nick of time. That does seem to be kind of a trope with these movies, um, nick of time heroes. Uh, and he blasts away a bunch of these uh, mercenaries who are wearing really awful masks, by the way. Uh, really gross blackface masks. Um, and also there's some interesting blue masks. Do you have any thoughts on the blue masks? Yeah, so the the NFFA flag is that color blue. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. It, do you think it's a ranking thing that some of them wear blue and some don't? Um, I guess it could be like actual government employees versus um, hired mercenaries. Hmm. Yeah. could be it but there is a scene um a little bit earlier where um one of the trucks rolls in and the truck has two flags one of them is a kkk flag and one of them is an nffa flag and they're side by side on on the truck i think it's kind of showing like oh these guys are totally in bed with each other like they're i i think it would even be arguable that distinguishing the government from the KKK is really difficult in this scene and is impossible because they're kind of one and the same. Like it's all kind of for the same purpose. Yeah. They're all on the same team. Before we get to the end of the movie, I want to ask you, where do you think, what part of the United States would have the best, the most successful, as they say, purge night? Hmm. A most successful purge night. Thinking of a place that has a lot of like passive aggressive issues and like latent anger um, with a weak sense of community. I'm really surprised it's taking you this long to come up with a place. <sighs> Bay Area. <laughs> Bay Area. <What>? <laughs> That's amazing. No. Well, come on. What would no. you think? Totally Florida. This is the Florida thing. Oh, Florida. I forgot, about this. <laughs> I forgot Florida was a real place. <laughs> the whole state, by the way. Let's just lump them all together. <laughs> I guess Nevada would be very successful too, but I feel oh, like yeah. Nevada I feel like Nevada would be a place of like purge tourism. Like I am willing to bet the casinos would turn their Oh yeah. Like stages and areas into like those auctions and like Nevada Nevada would be where you would go if you had illegal sex fantasies and illegal murder fantasies, you know, like 
or if you were like, oh, I want to um, illegally buy a tiger, like you're going to go to Nevada, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the kind of stuff I would expect out of Nevada. So I would say successful, maybe not in terms of just straight up murder. Murder would maybe be Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just imagining all of these like Santa Rosa women who are just like killing all their neighbors. Like it seems like, I don't know. That's very, um, that's very the purge, the first purge, yeah. you know. The, yeah. the actual first purge. Yeah. Oh, yes. Purge number one. What do we do? Ah! <laughs> yeah. So how do we how do we end here? So Skeletor has um, somehow sacrificed himself for who knows what purpose. Um, yeah. But he well, while this crew has been fending off the army plus mercenaries yeah. somehow. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, you said Michael Bay, and it's totally true. There's there's gunfire and action. There's just a there's a lot. It's very, yeah. It's you can tell that he had a stake in the production. The come down is pretty fast here. I yeah. would say is that Skeletor he stops. I like I feel so absurd saying his name. They stop as the apartment do from being. They, he stops the apartment from being bombed, and. Dimitri is in this firefight with with the mercenaries and um and kill and kills them and he himself survives. He does take a bullet wound, but he does survive. He does he does, you're right. Somehow he withstands the forces of the United States Army and mercenaries at their doorstep. He's and it's really hero. funny because what does he do to distract them and sort of like get around them and throw them off guard? Uh, he pulls the fire alarm. I, I thought that was funny. I was like, oh yeah, the army can't handle this fire, alar- fire alarm. So that's how he gets around them. And with them. <laughs> but yeah, um, this finally plays out until 7 a.m. They, they make it. They do. Um, and they are stricken. Uh, you know, kind of, they've survived the night um, where ninety percent of the action happened in the last three hours. Um, it's not like other purge movies where it's kind of an onslaught of twelve hours wall to wall of horror and action. Um, and over the credits, we get um, some very classic um, purge where we are hearing um, a, a news broadcast where the government naturally says the purge was a great success and they're looking at like immediately ratifying it into into law and to do it every year yeah so next year we're all gonna be roped into this mess this this movie ends on a very goofy note i think i i had an issue with one of the one of the final lines of the movie um dimitri and crew and and you know what's left of his of his friends they're walking in the streets towards like a hospital most likely since he needs help mm-hmm. and and someone says what do we do now and i'm like immediately i'm like you vote <laughs> you go vote <laughs> and he and <laughs> no his response is we fight which which i guess could be voting but um you know, you fight, but you got to vote. You got to get rid of these bozos. And um, that's, it's so interesting because that's 
what we see so much. You know, we see low voter turnout because voting doesn't seem to be enough, right? It, it, it feels slow. It feels not instant. Um, it should be a part of the fight for sure. I just thought it was very weird that the way they ended this was we fight because fighting means you're going to be doing this every year. Like you need to go vote and make a stop. <laughs> I guess that if I want to play devil's advocate here is yeah, that, do. yeah. So I would say that the concept of, of fighting, meaning that you have to do it every year and do it all the time, I would say is accurate for um, impoverished people and people of color in this country, where even if you, I think that, that the Obama years gave us this kind of idea that we were, we were done, you know, like there was, there was still a lot of racial injustice and crimes against people of color. And, but it was, we were able to point to our presidency and how progressive it was in comparison to the Bush years and say like, no, we're, we're fixing this. Like it's fixed. We did it. We voted correctly. And I think that, that that level of vigilance, like that you need during conservative years can never be dropped because when you drop your vigilance during the progressive years, you immediately fall back to the conservative years. You regress. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like we, as a country, like this movie came out in 2018. And I think even in the first few years of the Trump presidency, it was a major regression for progressive politics in the U.S. and a huge step forward in vindication for white supremacists. And white supremacy has really flourished above ground and publicly, um, especially in the last like year or two. Um, so I would say that the fight line is maybe a little cliche and it's kind of like, it does feel kind of like one of those Michael Bay, like, <laughs> and like kind of like ending stinger lines where yeah. you're like where you're like okay like I get it but it's like I could see it like I could see that like just saying like voting doesn't feel immediate enough for people who have to worry about being killed in their own neighborhoods yeah I'm totally pulling a uh a roan <laughs> mm-hmm. a senator roan for those senator who- roan <laughs> For those of you who skipped our election year episode for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to do both. Part of the fight is voting. And yeah. you also got to fight. You can't stop. So I get it. But it was something that I questioned immediately. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it was super good. Um, I think it's... I've already said this. I'll say it a million times. I think it's the best of the series. Me too. Yeah. It's one of my, it's one of my favorites so far of all the movies we've talked about. I think um, my other favorite was probably Saw 5 and Saw (laughs) 7 because of how bad it was. But this one I, I really enjoyed talking about. I did too. I feel like this one gave us a lot of interesting questions to ask each other and think about. I think that it, treats the audience like grownups, which I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you have any final questions for us? I did. Um, If there were another sequel in the Purge series, um, what would you like to see in that sequel? 
I would like to see like a case study. Um, we see a lot of these groups coalescing, um, but I would like to see the purge follow a single person. And I think what would be interesting to me to watch would be some sort of revenge purge and, and following mm -hmm. them and learning why they're doing this revenge, why they're taking this out on purge night and, and what happened to them. Um, I, I would, I would be interested in seeing something like that. And Movie makers uh, can sometimes be real clever and make it seem like they're the bad guy at first. Um, and, and as you dig deeper into the movie, it turns out, you know, oh, this is actually the victim or something like that. I feel like this movie is this, well, not this movie, but this franchise is really primed for that kind of story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that would be really cool. It would be like a better version of Purge Anarchy, where we actually got some of that better characterization of the sergeant yeah. character and just stuck with him through his night. I think that that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's good. What about you? I, I, I would love to see a movie that is totally, completely, tonally different, but still set in the same universe. Um, I think it would be really cool to see what the purge would be like in a like rural Alaskan town, like oh. Northern Alaskan where it's still snowing. Interesting. That kind of sounds a little like that Rick and Morty episode <laughs> that takes place in that little hick town on a, on some it planet. does. It kind of <laughs> reminds awesome. me of like, I kind of think of it as like the, the imagery I have in my head when I think about it is like really close to the thing. Mm, um, yes. Of the kind of like, people stuck in isolation and um having to deal with someone who's totally demented and notice that we neither of us mentioned purge safari because that's already in the works kate's kate's got that covered purge safari is gonna be great it's gonna be up there with saw city it's <laughs> it's gonna be a good time <laughs> what you so we we i i feel like the listeners already know how we feel about this movie we can probably five out of yeah <laughs> five out of five masks yeah <laughs> Easy. it's great definitely watch this one if you're gonna watch a purge movie make this one of the purge movies you see and you don't even have to watch all of the others to watch this one it's, because this it's, is the first purge it's truly a perfect prequel highly recommend This was not quite dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're feeling a little weird or a little crazy, why don't you try listening to our episodes out of order? Why not? Or not. Listen to them in order, as intended. Either way, thanks for listening. And happy hunting. <laughs>